Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. How are you, Katina? What are you telling us about today? Uh, I'm doing good, and today we are going to talk about ostracism or being left out um, at work and how that impacts your work family um, life, basically, how that impacts your work family interface. Interesting. That will, yes. I mean, it sounds really interesting because, um, as we know, with everything we've talked about with work family conflict um, and stress and how stress ties into your, you know, how you feel in one at work can bleed into your life and yeah. vice versa. So I'm guessing there's some of that happening, maybe. Yes, exactly. So, um, the experience of being ignored or being excluded at work is pretty damaging and it ends up impacting the way that you feel and then you pass those feelings along to people at home. Um, so, uh, it's a little bit straightforward, but also not a topic that we've talked about before. We haven't really talked about ostracism before. So, um, I think that this will be fun. Yeah. I'm excited to hear the results and hear about the study. Yes. I'm excited to tell you about it. Um, in the meantime, how is your life? Life is good. Um, we're fully settled into our new apartment, which Yay. I feel like I've talked about that a few times on the show, but we're like really, really settled, meaning everything is unpacked. We only have like a couple minor, minor things, like mostly just hanging stuff up on walls, like deciding where all of our art is going to go. Um, but I feel like we're always very slow about making those decisions, so it doesn't feel like there's, I don't know, I don't feel like bad about it, so it's fun. It's kind of been nice to be here and to have my own office. I really like having my own office, and I know I've said that before, but I really like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it is really nice to have your own space and to be able to like really focus and not have to be thinking about, you know, what... Uh, someone else is doing in the house or just like be distracted if you're like in the zone I know you had mentioned like it's a little bit hard sometimes to make yourself stop paying attention which is a little bit different um but on the flip side you know your ability to focus gets a lot better when you have your own space I feel yes it is a lot better um and then like right now with recording like I feel like when I would record at the last apartment I would be sitting in basically the the shared space and Danny would have to be like silently tiptoeing around. Right. Um, but now I get to, I get to just be here and he can do whatever he wants and he's not going to be intruding or making, I mean, obviously you can't like play the drums or something crazy. Luckily we don't have any drums, but, um, <laughs> you know, that would obviously be heard, but, uh, normal activities, you can't really hear it in this room. So it's really nice. Yeah. Luck, hopefully Danny won't get any drums. Can you imagine if he's like, now that we have all this space. Ugh. He actually has a drum drums. set in storage. He does? Yeah. Uh, when did I he never play drums? to see that drum set again <laughs> in high school. And oh, like, that's funny. Yeah, middle I don't know. He got them when he was pretty, relatively young. Maybe he was middle, middle school. Um, yeah. And he like really wants to one day when you have like a big house uh, dreams um, where he wants to have like a turn like a third garage or some sort of like type room into a soundproof room. And he was like, you could record in there and I could play the drums in there. And I was like, it has to really be soundproof in order for me to be okay with these drums. Yeah. I mean, that would be necessary. I think, I mean, also just like, 
with a neighbor situation. I mean, there has to be, if someone moved in near me and they had drums, I would like probably be like, excuse me, but no. Yeah, I know. I know. It's really annoying. Um, Danny's dad plays the drums too. And he, at their old house, um, when they lived in California still, they had a soundproof garage. And so he would play in there. And like, it would generally speaking, it was soundproof from, you know, the outs, like if you're outside, you would not hear it. You wouldn't know the neighbors would never know, but they didn't soundproof the ceiling. So on Danny's room was right upstairs, right above it, like his childhood room. And so you could hear the drums in his room because there was no soundproofing on the ceiling. So that was a big mess. <laughs> um, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I just never knew this fact about Daniel. Yeah. Drums, drums. Drums, um, drums. Yeah. But anyway, so besides the were drumming you like, potential. Were you like, my boyfriend's a drummer? No. He wasn't like a... He wasn't advertising his drumming. He was more into the sports, generally speaking. He would not. He didn't wear it around his neck and pedal around the neighborhood drumming for all to hear. He didn't have like his, you know, drumsticks with him, like being all, I don't know. I don't know what you would do to advertise your drumming, but he wasn't like in a band or anything like that. He just did it. He's a secret drummer. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Well, it was your um, birthday. I know I this know. is not going to air until like well after your birthday, but yay. Happy I birthday. Know. It was my birthday. Thank you. And the gift that you sent me was the cutest thing ever. It was mm. so cute. It was a candle with a bee on it and a wine glass that said Queen Bee. It was so cute. The wine um, glass is so cute. I, I loved it. Really think it I'm going to have some wine in it on my birthday um, <laughs> on my or on this weekend sorry when you're celebrating on my yes when I'm celebrating on my actual birthday I had to work like a really long day so I was just like bleh I didn't do anything um but this weekend I will have more time to celebrate so that will be what I will do yes um I'm very happy about it because uh I need a little time to relax relax arena and it's kind of a well, I, I wouldn't say a big birthday, but sort of. It is. I know 35. Ah. Ah. It feels weird. And I was born um, in a crazy snowstorm. Oh. And um, so all of like my parents, friends and stuff have been texting or like sending me messages on social media being like, I remember the day you were born. It was the worst snowstorm of anyone's <laughs> life. And <laughs> So it really makes me feel old because they're like 35 years ago. It was like one of the worst snowstorms Philadelphia's ever seen. And you made your way into the world. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Like I feel so old um, thinking about like 35. It just sounds like, I don't know. It sounds like an old timey story of like, we had to wear snowshoes and get to the, I don't, it just sounds that <laughs> To way. get to the hospital, <laughs> yeah. our carriage wouldn't work, so. Yes, it just sounds that way to me, so it's, like, funny. I'm, like, oh, my gosh, like, like, yeah, it just sounds like a story of, like, hardship and, like, back in the day when you were born in the midst of this snowstorm, so I've been feeling kind of old about that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, well, 35 is, I mean, yes. it's not old, but it's definitely, like, securely in the adult arena. I am a secure, I am securely adult at this point. Yeah. I, I don't feel anyone would describe me as an insecure adult. Although (laughs) I was at the, I was at the gym the other day and, um, this guy was like, I mean, he was like a lot older than me. So like, maybe that's what it is. But, um, this was like three days ago, uh, 
he was talking about his wife or something and then he was like well you wouldn't know you're probably not married and I was like no I am married and he was like you're married and I was like yeah and he was like (laughs) he was like how old are you and I was like I'm old enough to be married like like that's a real like bad guess you know what I mean like like that's real young like I'm at least old enough to be married dude I was like this is very confusing to me but I think he was just like I don't know what maybe I looked particularly youthful on that day but um (laughs) I was like I was like well on one hand I feel quite old about myself but on the other hand someone thinks I'm like 19 years old apparently so that's (laughs) wonderful um I think that I think you're I don't know how old this person was but I feel like when you're more on the extremes, like if you're yeah you know, much older or much younger, then you always yeah. think the person is on the other extreme. Yeah, um, like little kids think people are like so old and mm-hmm. people who are like more advanced in their years think people that aren't that young are so young. Yeah, that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, when you're, I remember when I was, I mean, probably even in high school, I was like 15 and, and I remember there was like a, something we were writing like our life goals or something crazy and I put something about being married at 23 and now looking at that it makes me laugh so much because yeah. I was like <laughs> at 23 I was just yeah. like basic barely in grad school like yeah. I mean You're like, nope. you, I know people do get married at that age and that's fine but like for right. me and what I ended that up wanting to do it just made no you. sense yes yeah totally um I also think it's funny how like you know when you think back to what those ages sounded like when you were that age, like uh, I remember my cousin um, when she was like in a junior in high school or something, her and her friends were talking about their prom and one of their teachers that came to the prom and they were, you know, like teachers come to the prom and they like dress like in gowns or whatever, like the teachers dress up and they were talking about this one teacher and they were like, Oh my God, like Mrs. So-and-so looks amazing. And they were like, yeah, I think she's like 32. (laughs) And it just made me laugh that they would be like, wow, like she's like not a frump at all. And like, how how old she is. It's crazy. Like it just it just always stands out to me because I remember I heard them say that and I was like, oh, my God, that's the funniest thing. Um, so that's definitely true. But anyway, I'm excited for this year because I do think that um, every year has gotten better and better over time. Like I don't have any um, like regrets about the direction things are moving and I feel like there's so many exciting things on the horizon and I feel like the good news about 35 even though like you're a little bit like closer to 40 and that like freaks a lot of people out is that like I do feel really like I was starting to think about it and I was like you know what we graduated from grad school like a while ago I got my master's degree over a decade ago so then you start to be like you know what I've been doing this stuff for a long time and I like know a lot of stuff and I feel confident in myself and like that I think is really valuable yeah, I agree with you. I feel like, well, it doesn't. While it doesn't feel like I've been working for ten years, right? No, it doesn't feel like that. But at the same time, I have been. And when I talk to people that are starting out or um, newer to the career space or students, I'm just, I realize, wow, like, yeah, I have ten years of experience, but I also have like I have experience and I have like a lot of knowledge that I've gained from it. And yeah, it makes um, the workplace more interesting in some ways. Yeah, I think Still so. So I do, feel like but. the you get like more confident in yourself and your abilities and it allows you to like open up new possibilities and opportunities. And I'm excited for everything that's to come for us. I'm excited for everything that's to come for the year. So even though 35 is a number that freaks me out a little bit, I feel like I'm also just like I wouldn't want to be 30 again or I wouldn't want to be like 25 again. You know what I mean? Like I feel mm-hmm. like I'm happy to be in the place that I'm in. I feel good about it. 
Yeah. Good. Yay. Well, yes. happy birthday. Um, Thank you. And I feel like we've tangented for quite some time. So let's we go have. back to ostracism. Yeah. So um, speaking of feeling good about yourself, let's talk about feeling terrible about yourself. Um, so <laughs> no, but really, that's what we're talking about. Um, so the article is called The Cost of Being Ignored emotional exhaustion in the work and family domains and it's by thompson carlson kakmar and vogel and it just came out hot off the presses in the journal of applied psychology in 2020 Mm, spicy nice and fresh okay yes nice and fresh and (laughs) spicy (laughs) spicy (laughs) give me the spicy ostracism Uh, um okay (laughs) that was like half italian half count dracula um anyway (laughs) Um, I think it should be full Count Dracula next time, but (laughs) I'll try my best. Okay. Um, So, okay. So what is ostracism? Ostracism, very simply, is the experience of being ignored or excluded by those with whom one comes into contact with at work. And while it might seem like being ostracized at work should be no big deal, like, you know, they're just your coworkers, they're not, uh, you know, it's not like you're being completely shunned in all areas of your life. Um, It becomes very confusing to people when they're being ostracized because unlike things like discrimination or more direct forms of exclusion, ostracism is just kind of confusing to people. So people aren't sure why they're being left out. Um, they don't know why they're being ignored. And when people feel like things are fuzzy, they work really hard to try to understand why. Um, and so ostracism is one of those things that takes up a lot of like energy because you're trying to figure out like, what is this stemming from? Um, and it's really hard to figure out because it's not like someone's directly saying, I don't like you or you're experiencing something that's more direct. It's more of this like indirect thing that causes you to feel pain, but it's it's something that takes up a lot of mental energy because you're just not sure why. So ostracism is kind of um, distracting in that way. So is this like when you're saying it's not as direct, it's just more of the, you know, this whole group went to lunch and never asked me or they exactly. went to happy hour and didn't ask me. Exactly. Or like everybody's having a conversation about something that I don't know about. Mm. And so they're like kind of talking around me but not including me. Mm -hmm. Um, that's another example or, you know, people seem to have like help each other with things or have like networks and I don't feel part of that network. Um, so I'm just kind of left out, but I don't really understand why that's the case. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and ostracism can happen either like one time or it can be ongoing, but even being ostracized for small periods of time, people find negative because it makes them feel like they're worthless within not necessarily worthless, but they are worth less or they're less worthy than their other colleagues that are not being ostracized. Interesting. Okay. Do you, um, I don't know what the, anything about the study yet, but cause one of my first questions is um, do, I kind of anticipate that some of those things like the conversation piece might have to do with how long you've been on a team or how long you've known certain people. So you can imagine if I'm in a workplace and everybody's known each other for a really long time, whether, you know, at that job or maybe they came from other jobs, they knew each other or from school or something, and they're having those conversations, that's like very easy to get into that 
place of feeling left out because they probably know some of the same people. They've got some of the same experiences that you weren't a part of. And so those conversations that you were talking about probably happen a lot more often in those types of situations. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that, you know, it doesn't have to be intentional that people are being left out. So it could just be something simple like that. Like people around them are not recognizing the fact that they're leaving someone out. Um, And so it doesn't have to be like an active mean act, but that's why it's more confusing to people because they can't figure out like, is it just that they know each other better? And so it's not that they don't like me or is that that they actively don't like me? And even if they didn't know each other better, they'd still leave me out, you know? So it gets a little Mm -hmm. bit confusing. I think the more you can rationalize it, so it might actually help. To be like, oh, well, you know what? They probably just know each other from before. It's not something about me. It's just something about the circumstance. Mm -hmm. It's probably easier um, to justify to yourself than something where there's not a clear reason why. Um, That probably, I think the research or the theory around ostracism would suggest that that would be even more harmful because it would affect your feelings of self-worth. Like I can't rationalize it in any other way except for to say that they probably just don't like me as much. Right, right. So if it's, you know, a team established team that everyone has been there for a little while or something like that um, where you can't explain it away. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Um, And so um, basically when people feel left out, it has these negative consequences and it has both emotional consequences and cognitive consequences. So it hurts your feelings and it hurts your brain Um, it makes your brain feel more overloaded partially because you're trying to process all this information right Um, so the two things that they're interested in looking at in terms of like uh, negative consequences and what they found happens when you're ostracized is that your positive mood goes down so emotionally you feel less positively uh, when you experience ostracism and you also feel more distressed so um, your levels of psychological distress go up um, and so feeling a uh, positive emotion um, is something that we've talked about before. And basically the, uh, you know, way to tell if you're feeling uh, positive emotion are uh, things like I'm feeling happy, excited, activated, like I'm in a positive mood. Uh, those are the kinds of um, items that are in a positive mood type scale. Um, and then being distressed Uh, is experiencing some kind of duress or stress, uh, feeling very dissatisfied or upset about a situation that's going on currently um, in your workplace. So those are the two things that are impacted in this study. There could be other things that are impacted by being ostracized. But in this study, what they found is that your your positive mood goes down and your psychological distress goes up. So that's interesting. So it's not just the absence of positive emotion, but a presence of something negative. Yes, exactly. So it's both. Um, yes, and it's both like cognitively um, problematic because stress is a, more of a cognition and it's also emotionally. So you have like less positive emotions and your brain is in a state of stress mm-hmm. uh, during this time period. Mm-hmm. So it sounds terrible. Yes. Um, that's not good. <laughs> yes, it's not good. And so... The interesting thing, so that in and of itself would be interesting to say, okay, ostracism is something that causes people to experience these negative outcomes. But what this study looked at was what is then the impact of those negative outcomes on your home life? So what they did was they actually asked people's spouses to report uh, the extent to which they felt that the person as a result 
of these feelings of like lowered positive mood and higher psychological distress uh, were more likely to undermine their family, which means like they take out their work frustrations on their family members um, and the extent to which their spouse feels emotionally drained from dealing with that family Mm. member um, and feeling like kind of burned out from the demands of having to deal with that family member. Um, So, that's kind of the inter- the more interesting part is not necessarily just what it does to the target, but also when people feel ostracized at work, they're looking at what does that do to their family. And what do they find? So they found that uh, when individuals are experiencing higher levels of um, psychological distress as a result of ostracism, that that impacts the extent to which their family members feel exhausted with them and impacts the extent to which people um, say that they're undermining. So um, both psychological distress was related to both uh, emotional exhaustion and family undermining um, as an outcome related to ostracism. So this is what's happening. So when you feel ostracized, it is the case that your family is more likely to feel exhausted with you and they're more likely to perceive you as trying to like pick fights or do things to disrupt the family dynamic. That, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So you're in a bad mood. You're feeling stressed out. And we know, I mean, everybody's experienced this, right? Where their spouse, their partner, their children even, when they're in a bad mood, they're going to take it on the people that they're closest to when they're at home. It happens all the yeah. time. So you come home, you're, you've been ostracized, and then now you're like a little short with your family members or you're frustrated easily by them. And then you are going to make those people feel tired and stressed out because you're doing that to them as well. So they're not, they're now having to like manage your negative emotion and your negative moods, um, to, to then try to deal with that at home. And that's not, I mean, that sucks. It's not fair to them, not their fault, but that tends to happen. That's, mm, that's unfortunate. Yeah. So basically what the article demonstrates is that there are these pathways, um, through emotion and through distress that make you more likely to, um, you know, basically take that out on your family. And then your family is more likely to recognize that and actually rate you as uh, being higher on those things. So the thing that I think is particularly interesting about this is that a lot, a lot of times I think we think that interpersonal relationships or things that go on at work are just limited to you and your per- personal work relationships. And we might not recognize as individuals the extent to which people are actually impacted by our experiences in our own work day. So, you know, I would be curious to know whether the people that were being rated as undermining their family and exhausting their family members were aware of in the moment that that's what they were doing. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting to think about, like, if you're experiencing these negative um, consequences at work because you're feeling left out, Um, what are you doing in terms of uh, bringing that home to your family? But even more interestingly, if you work in an organization where there's a culture of ostracism or it's very clicky, uh, people feel left out a lot. Um, I hear people in organizations talk about clicks all the time. So Mm -hmm. if you're in like a very clicky organization, um, that it's not just damaging to the employee themselves but also thinking more broadly about what you're doing to families when that person goes home and what kind of like responsibility you have as an organization to put better vibes into your community and family members like think about people's kids and spouses whatever that it's not just like oh you know I'm in this clique and I'm leaving this person out but whatever it's no big deal where adults grow up it actually does bother people and it not only bothers them but it puts these like very icky vibes into their family life as well 
Yeah, that's, I mean, it's definitely a good thought. And if you're somebody that's ostracized others, if, you know, that is something to think about. You know, maybe you don't like somebody and that's where you're leaving them out. But maybe, you know, you don't want to impact their children, I would hope. I mean, mm-hmm. there's probably some people out there that are awful, but um, generally speaking, I think you don't want to, you know, create this negative environment for all these different people. And even the person you don't like, majority of people don't want to make them dwell on it and feel bad constantly. You just might not want to hang out with them, which is mm-hmm. fair. But thinking about how to not make them feel that way um, so that you're not hurting all these other people maybe you sucking it up and being nice to somebody and including them is worth it if you know that that's going to help impact their overall wellness and then everybody else's wellness that they're living with too yeah yeah and I think that um something that is also interesting is that positive mood had less of an impact on outcome variables as reported by the spouse than did uh psychological distress so psychological distress was related to both spouses reports of family undermining and emotional exhaustion mm-hmm. um whereas uh positive mood was only related to one of the was only related to family undermining mm-hmm. so I think it's also important to recognize that uh that the role of psychological distress is a little bit stronger because we know a lot of interventions that you can do to make yourself less stressed. So if you're experiencing ostracism, I think it can be hard to like admit to yourself that you're feeling upset about something like that because it does feel kind of like kids on the schoolyard, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, I'm being left out and so I'm upset. And I think there is a sense of, you know, and I've heard people, I've heard students and other folks talk about this before. Like if you're dealing with these interpersonal dynamics, you kind of just feel like, well, you know what? Like I'm an adult. I don't need everyone to like me. These are just my colleagues. This is just my, you know, work environment. Like I don't need this to affect me. But the reality is that it does take up cognitive and emotional energy. And then And if you're feeling that psychological distress, you have to, you're like depleted from resources. So when you come home, your brain is kind of caught up in that psychological distress and smaller things in the family life can trip you up and make you like snap at people or, you know, um, call people out or just be generally grouchy towards people, um, which then leads your family to be like, man, like I'm kind of sick of dealing with you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you ignore the fact that you're stressed by it or act like it's not happening, it doesn't make the stress go away. So if you're in a situation like that, you might not be able to solve the problem of the ostracism itself, but thinking about how like techniques to de-stress could actually help solve some of these issues more fully. That's a really good point. Cause I think, we always want to say, oh, it doesn't matter that someone doesn't like us. And yet we, even if we don't dwell on it in a very active way, it's something is gnawing at you, right? Um, I think there's some people that are better at letting go of that than others. And those mm-hmm. maybe those people are able to see less distress from that situation. But, um, you know, we've talked a lot about different strategies to recover from work, to fill up your cup. And seems like this is the the right place to do it too. So if you're dealing with that, make sure you fill up that cup before you go and um, shatter the glass of your empty cup on your family. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. Um, you know, a lot of times it sounds silly to be like, I'm sad because I'm being left out. But if you think about the experience of being left out, if you've ever been left out of something before, um, it, it does ha- 
have an impact. The research shows that it has an impact. But I think, um, uh, you know, an exercise that I do with MBA students a lot is to ask them about a time that they felt included and a time that they felt excluded. And people really remember times that they felt excluded from a group for years. Like something that I'm always fascinated by is that the students are able to remember times that they felt excluded from when they were like eight, 14 you know, 20 something. And maybe now in their current work situation, they can think of times, but they really do stand out for people when you feel excluded from a group. And if it's taking up so much energy that you can recall it so vividly and like relive those emotions and um, the stress that you had, like addressing it in the moment seems appropriate, right? Because these are things that kind of stick with people for a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. Similarly, feeling included also tends to stick with people for a long time. So if someone's been excluded, for example, for a while, and then someone comes in and shows you know, that they want to befriend that person or they want to stand up for that person or whatever the case may be, that matters a lot too. Um, But I think it's just more of an issue of like adults have trouble honoring the fact that they care whether or not they fit in, particularly in a work context, because it doesn't seem like that should matter. Like, I think a lot of people just take the attitude of like, work is work and I'm not here to make friends and whatever. But even if that is your attitude that you're saying to yourself, it's okay to admit to yourself that that's not actually how you feel because being left out does have consequences for the self. And that's the same at work as it is in any other domain. So um, I think it's important also to like give yourself permission to recognize that that's not silly and to say, okay, I am upset about being excluded in this context. I'm going to have to deal with this stress because if I don't, it's going to spill over into my family life. And then it might make people who generally do like me, like me less because I'm starting to uh, bring home these negative emotions emotions and this stress without dealing with them appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, I don't know. I think that I'm hoping that the conversation around some of this is changing since people are focusing on workplace wellness, right? Like we're able to build worker being because that's a thing that people are mm-hmm. talking about more, um, in this generation and this current present workforce. Um, so I'm hoping that people see that differently because I think you're right. And there's like this, mindset that a lot of people have that work is work and you know everything else is your life and your relationships that matter but you spend so much time at work just like everything we talk about with work environments right you spend so much time there if you have a bad manager that's a problem if you're feeling left Mm -hmm. out even if you in your head say I don't care if I'm left out I'm just here to get my job done it's going to impact you because it's happening all the time. Right. And you're happy, you know, you're there all the time. So if you see that, if you see those people again, even if you've only been left out a couple times, like you said, it's not just about this continuous thing. It could just be a few times here and there, but like you're in that environment a lot. So it does have an impact. Those relationships do matter. They impact your career. They impact your work. They impact your mood every single day. Um, so pretending as if it doesn't matter is is just not realistic. You know, some people, yeah. like I said, some people are just better at not caring if people like them or not. But if everybody doesn't like you or if you're constantly ostracized, you know, it's one thing if you have, okay, well, Joe over there doesn't like me. We don't really like each other. We can have a cordial relationship while we work. That's fine. But if Joe and everybody else goes out to lunch every week and I'm never included, that's no longer fine. Um, right. So I think that there's right. a difference between handling not liking somebody and being constantly left out of things. 
Yeah. And I think that we've, um, I think that we've like, um, talked about relationships a decent amount in our work here, but I also think it's important to recognize you mentioned like, you know, people are becoming more aware of wellness and thinking about this. But I think a lot of times when people think of wellness, they don't think of things related to interpersonal relationships. So they wouldn't necessarily put like clickiness or leaving people out or excluding people under the wellness umbrella um, because they're not thinking about it as a stressful experience. They're more thinking of it as like, oh, we want people to feel like they fit in or we don't want somebody to leave because they have a bad conflict. But they're not thinking about like what's in between that bad conflict or that feeling left out and someone leaving is all this other stuff like they're they're in a you know less positive mood they're more distressed they're bringing this home probably their families are saying to them like maybe you should think about getting a new job or you know it doesn't seem like you're very happy here you know there's a lot of different things that are going on that's in between like oh we want this person to feel like they fit in so that they don't turn over um and they're putting that probably in like the engagement realm or even like in a performance metric realm um or thinking about it as something to address like in a performance appraisal meeting if they feel like that's the person that's being clicky but they're not thinking about relationships and relationship building as being like part of the wellness spectrum and so I think that that's also an interesting point to bring forward is like these things actually do matter for people's well-being and if you have bad relationships at work you can have like all the yoga at lunch you want (laughs) but you're not (laughs) you're not like you know solving the primary problem that people's relationships are are not positive or people are feeling like they don't fit yeah I mean I think it all comes down to what we've talked about all the time and I think you're totally right that I'm putting it in the wellness bucket because of who we are and what we study, what we talk about. But you're right. I think most people don't. Just like I, we always talk about job control or work autonomy, right? Being able to have some control over your life, your flexibility in your job to go to a doctor's um, appointment in the middle of the day or not have someone breathing down your neck around exactly which tasks have to be done at the exact same time every day or something like that. Like having flexibility in your in control of your job really, really, really has a big impact on wellness. And I think you're totally right that nobody thinks about that. And nobody thinks about relationships. Like I, you're right. I kind of went, made that leap, but I think it's almost taking a step back and realizing that the environment that you're in at work is huge and is very critical for wellness. And that includes the people you're working with, the relationships you're building, the type of work you're doing. That's what matters at the core. And then adding in things like yoga and you know maybe benefits around gym memberships or meditations or whatever those things are great additional things but without that baseline work environment where you can have positive relationships you can manage your time your own way you can leave your job and disconnect it in the evening like all those things are way more important um, right off the bat than the additional like more more fun wellness stuff that you hear about. Yeah, absolutely. I think like it's, you know, this common like primary or root cause or like primary or root solution versus like a secondary solution. Like um, a primary cause of stress that people need to deal with through things like yoga or mindfulness, et cetera, could be things like bad relationships at work, uh, people acting clicky, feeling left out, et cetera. So you can either 
give people ways to deal with that or you can say well let's address the problem at the root and I think a lot of times people are unwilling to address issues like that because it seems like well they should be able to figure it out on their own everyone's an adult etc but it doesn't get any easier to figure out interpersonal relationships or how to handle them in the workplace because there's so much tied to them as well like Mm -hmm. you have financial things tied to them there's a lot of other risks involved than just like approaching a friend or a or you know uh a person in your neighborhood that you feel left out by or something like that. Um, So I don't think people know the way to go about it. And so managers, um, if you have teams that are, you know, clicky in this way or leaving people out or you notice that one person's always left out, you could be the person to rope them in, invite them or bring it up with other people that that person feels left out um, or seems like they're being left out. Make sure that they're being included. Like little things like that could help and make a big impact for your employee and also for the families of that employee. Um, And if you are one of the people that's leaving people out, you need to think really hard about uh, what your impact is on, you know, the folks who work for you and the people who are, uh, surrounding and care about the people who work for for you because your reach is bigger than you might realize when you're perpetrating these behaviors. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's a lot about awareness and addressing the issues. Um, and then I think from an organizational leadership perspective, there's you know some policies you can enact. I mean, I think we always talk about like non discrimination policies and you know not non like not harassing people and things like that. Um, but this is a little bit more subtle than all of that. You know, you're not going to have a don't leave people out policy, but well, maybe you can, right? People don't mm-hmm. have those types of policies, but maybe you can create some sort of anti-ostracism policy um, to make sure people are being welcoming and including others and beyond diversity and inclusion, because that's obviously a different type of inclusive environment. Um, but I think it's kind of related. So just yeah. trying to be as inclusive as possible in every aspect regardless of why you're doing it you just want to you know have a warm welcoming welcoming work environment for everybody that's involved absolutely I completely agree and um I hope that everyone listening if you've been excluded try to think about ways that you can either change around that situation or recognize and cope with the stress that you're likely experiencing as a result of that situation and if you're in position of power really thinking hard about how to create a more inclusive environment so that people are not feeling this way and bringing it home to negatively impact their families and communities I agree I love it I love it um, we'd love to hear from all of you listeners as well. We'd love to hear your stories, um, your thoughts on this topic. You can reach out to us. We have a new email address. Um, our workerbeing at gmail.com email will still work. So don't be scared if you've been using that one. But you can also email us now at contact at workerbeing.com. So we're fancy now. We have so fancy. as the, so fancy. the end of our email now. Um, so please reach out to us that way. Contact at workerbeing.com. Um, you can find us on social media as well at workerbeing on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find us on our website, workerbeing.com. And we'd love to hear your stories. I'd love to hear from you. And I also want to do a final little plug. Um We've talked about our events before. We had a really great event a couple of weeks ago that we had so much fun at, and we would love to include all of you in the future. So if you want to hear more about our events, please sign up for our email list. Um, we have a retreat coming up in April. If you if you remember, it's going to be amazing. We 
um, have some really fun sponsors for our swag bag, which we'll be announcing soon on social media. Um, So you'll get lots of really cool goodies as well as great content to build a sustainable career. So check that out on our website and also, again, email list. And then we recently rehabilitated our Facebook group, The Worker Being Hive. Um, So if you'd like to get in on the conversation on workplace wellness with other like-minded folks, go ahead and join that. All right, enough plugs. Thank you all for listening. (laughs) Thank you. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh,